All right. Well, I think I might finish early. It's a short one, but uh, we will start on time regardless. Let us pray uh, as uh, we begin and ask for God's help. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to uh, study uh, this summary of your word. We pray that we would be like the Bereans of testing everything uh, compared to Scripture, that uh, by good and necessary consequence we can derive things which you nonetheless uh, hold us uh, responsible for knowing and living in light of. We ask for uh, focused minds, uh, clear consciences, that we would be people who first and foremost, are uh, right with you and right with our neighbor as we come into your house today uh, to commune with one another and that uh, we would be able to think clearly and righteously about uh, these things pertaining to you and to your will for us. Uh, We pray that you would meet us in this hour. Help me to say only uh, helpful things and for everything else to be quickly forgotten. Uh, We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we are in chapter 9 of the Westminster Confession of Faith. So if you have that stapled uh, text of the Westminster Confession, this is the back here. So last week uh, we had a huge chunk uh, to try to tackle there, Uh, lots to read last time there. We didn't quite make it through all of chapter 8, but we're pressing on to uh, chapter 9 of free will. And as you can imagine, this is a zero controversy, uh, nothing uh, important. None of you have ever had an argument with anybody about anything like this, ever. So, um, can I get a volunteer to read uh, point one there of the... Yes, sir. God has given man a will, which by nature is free. It is not forced or necessarily Okay, so this is very, right off the bat, we are going to launch into a definition of free will. And I think what's, you know, I was, I was researching this for the last couple of weeks here, seeing what people default to definitions of free will uh, are very, very confusing. People have uh, some built-in assumptions. So if you ever do start talking to somebody about this here, it, it seems very pedantic. It seems very uh, holier than thou. But like, what are you talking about? Define your terms. Even if it's a friend, uh, I really recommend that you do that because what people use this, con- this verbiage of free will uh, or even just will uh, in a very incoherent kind of way. So one definition I saw this week Um, was uh, last week somebody said um, that you are able to do what you want to do without external influence. Really? Like, like who who of us uh, has ever had that? Does even God uh, have that? That God, you know, in a certain sense, if you say God acts, you know, how does God act? God acts in accordance with his nature. God acts out of who he is. Can God lie? Can God sin? Well, no, that that's not who he is. So depending upon how fuzzy you are with your definitions about external or other, if you have something, I mean, most people then are saying anything other than my desire. Like, 
what? Like, God can't do that. God, you know, the, the, the people try to make the riddle of, can God make a stone so heavy that he can't lift it? Well, he would have to want to do that first before he would do that. And he doesn't, it's not who he is. It's not some want that he has that he can't fulfill. It's not like God wants to sin and then can't. So this definition about what is the will and what is free will is, is something that people really, I don't think, have usually thought through. So the question then is to say, like, what is your will? What, is it, what does it mean to, to, to have a will? And, and I think what's going on here in point one is you have a want to do something. At every moment, at every time, you are deciding to do what you're going to do. And you never have the sensation of, I want to do this, but something else is making me not go with what I want, right? You, you never have the sensation of being Pinocchio and, and having your limbs under someone else's control and, and you're not actually acting according to your own impulses, your own desires, the, the exception would be people would try to then say, you know, like somebody holds a gun to your head and says, do this or die. Well, even there, at some point, they have said, you, you have agreed, okay, I'm not going to get shot in the head. I'm going to do this. That you still are agreeing, acting, willing, wishing, wanting, vol- volitioning, that's not a word, of to, to do this thing. Now, of course we have a spectrum within this that you don't go to jail for somebody holding a gun to your head and saying, you know, empty out the register and you do it. You don't go to jail for that. The person who held the gun to your head does. But in some sense, you still cooperated. You still wanted. We just hold that to be very low. Am I making sense there? So the point is, in Westminster 9.1, is that at all times, you are acting according to your wants, your wishes, your will. So you're always doing what you most want in that circumstance. Right. And that it couldn't be otherwise. Like, you would not have a will if it wasn't what was at, leading to your actions. Be shot. Right. Right. And that we, and so again, with the like, the language, you, the, the, there's a very particular definition that we have to start with here. There's a reason that this is 9-1, is that if we don't have this here, then we will get lost in the vagaries of like, ooh, it made me do it. Well, yes, in ordinary language, we would say the person with the gun to your head made you do it. But that, that as Clint was just saying, there is still another sense in which you acted according to your strongest, greatest desire. Adam. This may be a premature step. We're going to go for it. No, go ahead. Um, so, uh, <coughs> the FCNR psychologist, right? Yeah. yeah. Behaviorist, right? Behaviorist. Yeah. He would say there is no free will. Yeah. He would say that it feels like free will, but really it's just pre-programming. Right. The past history of your, like, the antecedents, behavior, and the consequences shaped you were like, if I do this, it feels good. If I do this, it hurts. Or like, this meaning has greater reinforcement than this temporary displeasure, so like I'm willing to go through pain because it's worth it. Like 
if you knew all of the antecedents and all the past behavior, you'd be able to perfectly predict someone's future behavior. Was his tricks. Yeah. And so when it came to, like, you go through door number one, two, or three, like, if I knew the person well enough, I could tell you which door you were going to pick. It wasn't actually a choice, it was an illusion of choice. Right. And so uh, this idea of we can get to a point where programming with past experience would tell us to do door number two, we could still choose door number one, even though past experience would say, ah, choose better. Um, how does that fit into this definition? Because he would say, no free will because it's all just the accumulation of past learning. You don't actually have a choice in the moment of what you want the So the, the part about, I mean, the couple thoughts that I have about that, when you say all the past things determine that, that sounds to me like enlightenment, kind of like, this is what, you know, praise Newton for having invented physics, which really, there were poems written in the 1800s about um, all was darkness and lost in light. God said, let there be Newton and all was light or something like that was a poem that somebody actually really wrote. Um, and, and that the idea that the billiard balls, the, the, the physics thing that we could, if we knew enough, we could figure out the math and figure out where everything is going to, you know, knowing the initial conditions and the laws of physics, we can then figure out where everything will be in 256 billion years and seven minutes. Is that like everything is solvable from, and so first, the first thing to say about that is just how hubristic, how humanly full of yourself to say, we can be in that position to actually know what a person is going to do. Like if we could just, um, what's the, if you read Isaac Asimov's uh, uh, foundation sci-fi series, he has a psycho history that we can, we, can, we can predict the behavior of masses of human beings and what they will all do. And, and you know, you, you watch some movie, what was, there was a Michael Douglas movie, The Game or something like that, where you can, like, this person will be standing right here at this moment because I psychologically manipulated them this way. And, and it's, it's just malarkey. And now, you know, and now of course, the, the pendulum has swung the other way. And that because people tried to do that and they studied subatomic particles and they said, oh, actually, we don't know anything about anything. It's all just probability and chance. And really, some of the atoms from you could be on Jupiter right now, maybe. And, and so that ability to nail it down, I think that <clears throat> the key thing there is to say God knows what, there, there are, none of it is surprising to God. None of it is rogue. There are no unpredictable elements from the God's eye point of view, but that we live, we, we mentioned this last week, Brooks did, on the, the other side of the creator-creature distinction. That exists, that level, the Skinnerian, did I make up the right adjective? That, that level of, of predeterminizing everything exists, but it's God's prerogative, not ours.
<clears throat> and so there, there is a sense, though, in which that is a helpful perspective to take. One important thing here, as we're talking about free will today, is I have in my mind Luther and Jonathan Edwards. Do you, does anybody guess the two books uh, related to our subject here? Does anybody know Freedom book Freedom of the Will and Bondage of the Will? <laughs> so, so, like, depending upon what perspective you're talking about, yes, we don't even have free will. If you mean, can you do whatever? Like, no, then you're, 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 you're in a cage. Um, on the other hand, do you act according to your, uh, in, in your nature, you still have freedom and accountability. So let, let's turn, let's read it. The, the scripture is what we really want to focus on always. Uh, somebody turn to James chapter 1, uh, verses 13 to 14. James chapter 1. Can I get a volunteer? James 1, 13 to 14? Yeah. yeah. Josh? So there, that idea of your individual desire is ultimately actually the cause of your actions. So the scripture is using the word desire. The confession is using the word will, intention, want, inclination, whatever. There's a lot of words here that we could throw around. But the idea being that you are responsible for your actions because it is out of your will that you acted. So that... I think is a good reason why the uh, Westminster authors went with this definition of free will and saying we are accountable, we are acting out of our personal impulses, our decisions to, to do things. Okay, so now, <clears throat> the, uh, so uh, on the handout here, I am going to say with Westminster in any moment in history, wherever you go, your will is free. In what I'm going to start off, we'll get some names for these in a minute, but if you want to call it phase one, your will is free. In phase two, your will is free. In phase three, your will is free. In phase four, your will is free. So I am uh, following them that this is you acting out of your decisions, whether we're talking about whatever point in history, human beings act out of their own will. <clears throat> so let's come then now to uh, phase uh, one, and we'll give some names for these things here uh, in a second. Uh, can I get a volunteer to read 9.2 of the Westminster Confession of Faith? Mr. Lum, do you have it? Sure. Yeah. I know, I volunteered you. Okay, lot, lot going on there. So, um, as we come now to starting to break down into history, who here has ever heard of CFRC? Have you ever heard that one here? So, that stands for Creation, Fall, Redemption, Con Yeah, I made you. You should. Yeah, Lincoln, where's your hand? Yeah, no. Oh, wait, no, did you have any for Theo? No. Yeah, so the idea that uh, creation, fall, redemption, consummation is 
a, a way to break down all of history. So here we are in phase one, creation, how things were made, and what's the most repeated word uh, or most repeated exact phrase in Genesis 1. When we're thinking about creation, what should we think of? What does the scripture say over and over and over again in Genesis 1? It was good, is that we were made right. The world was made right. This is the, in sharp distinction to what secular mindset says, is that death and decay and brokenness were their part of the package. Just God had to work with the existing junk of the world and things fall apart. So God, the best he could do was make a junky world the best of it. That's, that's secularism, that's atheism, that's not the Bible. So um, Thomas Boston, who was uh, a huge influence here on, in this chapter of the Westminster Standards, uh, came up with that second little phrase right there at the beginning, uh, innocency. So Thomas Boston is going to call phase one the state of innocency, or just innocency, versus nowadays we almost always typically call that time period creation. So we're talking about the making of the world until we done broke it. So that, that time is creation, phase one. And notice we particularly said, as Mr. Lum read that there, God made man good, able to please God, but what could happen was that baked in, solid, never changing set? Obviously not. We're here and, you know, everything is broken. Is that it was, uh, it was mutable is the old-fashioned word for that. So if you think about a mutation, it changes mute. Uh, M-U-T there is just a fancy Latin root for change here. So it was mutable. It was alterable. Adam had a power that we just can't even hardly imagine of not just able to uh, break uh, himself, but in that federal headship that we've been talking about in the Westminster Standards, all his posterity being born into his brokenness. It is... It is an amazing amount of responsibility that he had. And we would, as Brooks pointed out, we would have done no different. He was a good representative. That is what we would have done. Okay, so we've got phase one. We have free will. It's mutable. Thomas Boston calls it innocence. Uh, nowadays, we call it uh, creation. Here are, if you're looking at the handout now, there I have just skipped the four scary, scary Latin phrases here that uh, are uh, very famous uh, from St. Augustine, or Augustine, if you're Catholic, I think, is... Who's, you say it that way? Okay, yeah, but you went to school with Catholics, but so... I don't know. I, I, I hear all kinds of Augustine, Augustine... Is it the Britishism? I don't know. Yeah, so... He very famously thought exactly that a lot of this here, both from, you know, so they, the, the Westminster standards here are totally uh, cheating off of Thomas Boston's very recent books that he had written about this just before this. Um, and he very famously is cheating off of St. Augustine and what he wrote about all of this. So Latin, I won't make you learn anything other than three Latin words. Um, there's uh, non is uh, no, uh, passe is related to our word uh, possible, able, can. Uh, 
possibility. And then uh, picare, I don't know, is there an English word that's related to that? Oh, peccadillos. Uh, do you guys know that word? That's a fun word. That means a little baby sin. Um, so uh, picare is to sin uh, in, in Latin. So uh, we've got uh, non, we've got, we've got four choices here. So let's, let's actually start with the bottom one here. Uh, passe picare. How would we say that in English? Possible to sin. Maybe we would be more likely to say able to sin. So the, I'm going to write that in my notes here. For, for This is about to not be really translatable uh, because uh, you can have double negatives in Latin that you can't in English, which is why I have to be fancy and put the Latin in there. Um, so able to sin. We're talking about creation. We're talking about Adam. We're talking about before the fall, the state of innocency. Was Adam able to sin? Yes. So give yourself a big check mark right there under passe picare during phase one. I knew I wasn't going to have a whiteboard, so I made this handout. So you're all doing my grunt work for me of writing on the, the whiteboard. All right. Next up, passe non picare. In English, able to not sin, able to keep from sinning, able to say no to sin. Was at, did Adam have that power? Yes. So give yourself a second check mark there. I, know, I realize I should have put these in the reverse order. I'm going from bottom to top. Apologies. <clears throat> non passe picare. Somebody render that into English. Not able to sin. Unable to sin. Did Adam have that? No, no. So that's, so there's an X right there. Okay. <clears throat> and then here's where we had, this is why we had to do Latin here. This one is just nuts. Non passe, non picare. Not able to keep from sinning. Unable to stop sinning. Gotta, gotta, gotta sin. No. Yeah. Is that there, there was no compunction upon Adam that way. So X, X, check, check here is what I have for those four Latin phrases under phase one. You all with me? Okay. <clears throat> so that was the state of innocency. Uh, we could read a lot of verses about that, but we've had a sermon series through Genesis, and uh, we all um, have read that. Who, who, who here has started a Through the Bible series more than once? <laughs> you've, you've read that a lot here. Okay. So turning then to... Uh, the third section here, uh, can I get a volunteer, for real this time, uh, to uh, read a 9-3? Adam. Non-federal head, Adam. Yes. Man fell to a state of sin by disobedience, and so completely lost his ability to will any spiritual good involving salvation. Consequently, fallen man is by nature Okay, so what we have here is a alteration of human nature brought about by Adam's sin. This, this, is, this is a change in what we are. 
if, if you look at a, uh, a penguin, you don't say he's choosing not to fly. You, you, the little waddle in their tuxedos is, is happening because that is their nature now. They're not flying birds. I don't know if they ever were or what, but that is their nature now. And this is what has happened to human beings. Sin is according to our nature after the fall. So Boston is, Thomas Boston is, is, uh, is, is going to call that nature, which is very confusing uh, because I would have thought that we would go with nature being what God made, um, but, it, you know, history is messy and people come up with strange names for things all the time. So phase two is, according to Thomas Boston, called nature. And uh, we nowadays are more likely to call that the fall. Creation, fall, redemption, consummation. The will is still free. You are still doing, and by you, I mean, assuming you're not a Christian here, because that's the next one, uh, but that uh, pre-salvation you, if you were converted, uh, is acting according to free will acting according to, this is what I want to do. I don't feel like Pinocchio. I don't have some other will going on outside of me. It is that acting according to my impulses, unconstrained by outside forces, I'm doing what I want to do, and it is always only forever sin. Does that make sense? Um, What's really, really scary, too, is the dead part there in what we just read. Um, I assume you know uh, Ephesians chapter 2. I'll read uh, a couple verses uh, out of Ephesians chapter 2. But you he has quickened, who were made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sin. Even when we were uh, dead in sin, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved. So that it is in the mutable or stable category, what what is the... the state of the, the, the sinner, the fallen person. They're, they're dead, and they're stably dead here. Is that, so the, the word that I'm going for there in that second blank is, is from the top under phase two, is that they are stable. This is not like they have the ability to change their own nature, Right? You can't come to an unbeliever and say, apart from the Holy Spirit, regenerate yourself. Like, get, stop being dead. You might as well be just screaming at a corpse apart from grace, apart from the Holy Spirit, apart from God breathing new life into this person who is dead in their, it's more like a zombie though. It's like they're actively dead. Is that that there's, there's a good Christian zombie movie waiting to be made here if you have filmmaker impulses. <clears throat> Knox, get together with, um, yeah, Drew, Drew and you need to make a Christian zombie movie here. It's just like Ephesians 2, the zombie movie, is, is that as not, you know, I did not, I was not, grew up in, a, I did not grow up in a Christian home. I was saved April 28th, 1995, before that day, and uh, maybe, you know, plus or minus six months, but like that, before that, I was dead in my trespasses and sins, and you could not say, make yourself alive. That, 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 is, that is not in our nature. I freely acted out of my nature, and it was in that mold and unable to be altered by me. 
not mutable by me. Okay, so now let's do the Latin thing. And again, let's go bottom up. (sighs) My bad. Okay, so we are talking about fallen humanity. People who don't know Christ, who are in Adam, who have uh, inherited their sinful nature. Passe pecare. Oh, yeah. Able to sin. We got that in spades. Okay. Passe non pecare. Able to not sin. No. They cannot. So, I mean, what is sin? Is any transgression of the law or want of conformity to God's law? which says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Can a non-Christian, from that perspective, do something that is not, I mean, they can do good, they can do benefit to other people, but can they do something not sinful by definition? No, that they are unregenerate, they do not love the Lord, they do not obey God, uh, they are not, they don't have the Holy Spirit in them, they are uh, not able to do things that are other than sinful. Even the good that they do is, from, is not out of love of, of God. It's, it's harsh, harsh news. Uh, so that's a no. Okay, next up above it, sorry. Non posse pecare, not able to sin. No. So that's another X there here. So notice the changes from phase one to phase two. And then here's, the, here's the, the real rub here. Here's the scary one. This is why we have to do the Latin, because we can't do this in English. Non posse, non pecare. Not able to keep from sinning. Right. Yeah. So that's the, that's the real rub right there, is that there, that is not something like a penguin can't fly. They don't have the ability to, to add that to their repertoire, to acting freely I want to go outside of my nature and stop sinning. It's not an available choice to the unregenerate person. Not able to not sin. And we just put a no on that. <laughs> it's, it gets the triple negative there, sorry. So it's, it's quite difficult. <clears throat> okay, so that's the bad, we're really deep in the bad news right here. You should be like, where's Jesus? Yeah. They're in the video game lobby. <laughs> yes. Uh, how, is, how is that situation uh, dialogue with this? Saying, this, I guess I'm trying to wrap up my mind around good but still sinful. Like, yeah. Like, they're being, I can, if I'm unregenerate, I can speak something that's true, I can work for the good of someone else, but if it's not ultimately in love and service to the Lord, that it still falls within the category of sin. Right. So there's the story in the, in the verses that the Westminster divines picked to be their proof text. There's the story in Kings where if you remember um, Isaiah comes to, um, it's in Kings and in Isaiah, uh, where um, Isaiah comes to Ahaz and says, ask anything you want of the Lord. And Ahaz... Oh, Captain Holiness says of like, oh no, far be it for me to ask anything of the Lord. Oh no. And he said, because you would not do that, I'm going to do it anyway and your kingdom will be taken from you. And, and so the, 
a, a thing done right, you know, I'm not going to tempt the Lord. On the surface of it, it sounds like Ahaz is saying a good thing. Um, it's in, I, I would have to defer to Mr. Law. I don't know enough Dante to be able to answer that one. I, the usual objection that I get um, is somebody brings up something like Gandhi or something, is that you've got a religious, noble, having, you know, like we, I watched a couple, a year ago, like with my family, watched the Ben Kingsley Gandhi, and like the ability to just take, literally take blows and, and embody nonviolent, pro, it's just, wow. The guy is such a, was such a, a better human, like, I, I, I can't, you know, somebody's five minutes late to an appointment with me and I'm thinking horrible thoughts about them. Like, you know, like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a terrible human being compared to Gandhi in, in a lot of ways. And, and yet, even in the movie, he says, you know, over here, like some people worship Allah, other people Vishnu and Shiva and other people Jesus and whatever gets you to doing uh, the things that work for the good of the Indian people, I'll take it. And that out of a different motive came really, really good, beneficial, helpful, uh, noble in a lot of ways, beautiful in a lot of ways, um, but that not personally for him done according to the greatest commandment, love the Lord, love Yahweh God, Jesus, out of, uh, out of that, live your life. Yeah, that there there are there are good pagans, but not not say not not salvifically so. Yeah, I think one thing too that we keep in mind when it talks about how we judge the external God judges the heart. Even as Christians, our good acts are not all the way down good. Right. And, 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 and because we're we're so corrupt by our sin nature that even with the Holy Spirit, we're still driven by so many other motives that down and you take out the Holy Spirit and God sees the heart we see the externals, we judge the external but the, it, it is all so deep we just don't have access to understand that apart from the word of God. Are there pagans with externals to use your word, just night and day better than most of us? Yes. Because and, and Paul even uses that to the Corinthians shame, even pagans don't see like this. Like even pagans don't see the percent. Like this yeah. is ridiculous. Right. And yet they are holy. Yeah. Different distinction than we typically make. All right, let's get to the good news here. Let's get to uh, 9-4 here, uh, and uh, let's, let's, talk about, uh, let's talk about Jesus here. So can I get a volunteer to read 9-4? Yes, sir.
Well done. Thank you, sir. That is super helpful. So we've got a lot of things here that will help us uh, fill in uh, what we're saying here. Again, as in all of these, I'm just trying to go you know, down the line here. Your will is free as a redeemed, saved person. You're doing, you're acting according to your greatest inclination. But are you set on that which is good only? No, is that that was that last little part right there is that this is mutable again here in phase three. We're able to uh, vacillate. We do all go back and forth. Romans, not Romans seven. I do not do what I want to do. We feel this conflict uh, of our two natures here in this time, in this age, uh, as those who have been redeemed, but still have so much of the flesh that, that clings to us. Uh, so this is the part here that uh, Thomas Boston is going to call uh, grace. Uh, we uh, would say uh, redemption, creation, fall. We're in the redemption time here. And that, again, you know, for someone like me who did not grow up Christian, these are phases of my life is that I have the, the fallen times and I was redeemed in, in high school. So like that, though these can be personal Timeline, or that you can also think about this as like history, BCAD kind of things as well. <clears throat> so, trying to use uh, nine four here again. Let's go through the Latin. Sorry to force you to learn some Latin here. Uh, now, hopefully, we're talking about all of you, and you can just be introspective to answer these here for yourself here as a redeemed uh, believer. Uh, passe pecare. Yeah, sorry, bad, yeah, still some, still some bad, yeah, definitely <clears throat> able to sin. As a redeemed believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, passe non pecare. Yes, you can choose to not sin. <clears throat> that is something that, uh, that happens to us. Non passe pecare, not able to sin. No, yeah, not true. <clears throat> and then uh, non passe, non pecare, unable to keep from sinning. No, is that, that, that is, you are not bound and only going to sin. You, you, it's not true that you are unable to keep from sinning, that all you do is sin all the time. <clears throat> so notice the columns here, phase one and phase three, you're in the same category as Adam and Eve. You, are, you, you don't have federal headship. You don't have the ability to, to uh, curse an entire race uh, of, of, as the, the head of, of humanity, uh, but that you are able to sin and able to not sin, just as, as Adam and Eve were. It just doesn't have progenitor consequences in the same way for us as, as it did uh, for them. <clears throat> All right, and then lastly, uh, 9.5, I will just read that. Uh, the will of man is made perfectly and immutably free to good alone in the state of glory alone. So as we think about, there's still one more phase yet to go here. This is not, everything hasn't happened here. We're not totally done with history. There's obviously, we're still going. Uh, there is one more phase yet to come, and so we would call that consummation, uh, 
For short, we often say heaven, but that makes it sound like the disembodied uh, anti-physical one, which is not true. That's just while we're waiting for the return of Christ and the physical new Jerusalem, heaven and earth to be united, end of time. That's the one we're really talking about. I don't mind if you call it heaven, but don't get confused and think see through you with dove wings and a golden O is like the goal. It's not where we're headed. So we call that uh, uh, consummation. If you're Thomas Boston, you call it glory. Consummation, glory. Your will is still free, but from what we just read in uh, 9.5, what would we say about the mutable or stable state in the new heavens and the new earth? It's stable, right, immutable, if you want to use the, keep using the same root there. It is set. It is done. So, thinking about the goal, thinking about eternity, thinking about, quote-unquote, heaven here, let's go through this last little bit. Uh, passe picare. No. First time that one hasn't been checked. <clears throat> Passe non picare, able to not sin. Yes, in common with now. <clears throat> non passe picare, not able to sin. Yes, this is the, that's the fine, like that one has not ever been checked before, and it still isn't, but we're talking about the future, is that not able to sin, when acting out of our nature, when acting according to our free will in eternity, sin will not be a possibility that occurs to us to do. Wow, that just, that just, that, I, I'm super excited about that one. Um, non passe, non picare, not able to keep uh, from sinning. No. <clears throat> So, but the one before that there, I just got to come back to that there, not able to sin. We will be confirmed in, in glory. We will be uh, set. And this, this is why, you know, this is the part that I agree with the people who make the evangelistic plea of like, in this life, decide. In this life, be a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, we would say that it's because God's electing love, God's freely given grace makes a sinner want to call on God. They don't do it out of their nature. They do it out of his given grace, the for by grace you've been saved through faith, this not of yourselves. But there is really something to this American evangelistic way of, of talking to people, you know, do it now before it's too late, is that we are, you, you, you can think about, you know, um, baking in the ingredients here, is that you can't go back and get the, the water out of the cake once you've put it in the oven at 350 for, for 30 minutes, is that the, it, is, it is baked in. And that what we were just talking about there, the happy news is, you know, I'm, I'm here at church, this is Sunday school, I'm telling you the good news for you is that you will be uh, non passe picare, you will be unable to sin, hallelujah, uh, in eternity, but that there is a alternative what gets baked in for those who aren't in Christ. So it really is vital that uh, if somebody's going to be a follower of Christ, that they, they do it here. And maybe, you know, thief on the cross, it happens at the last minute, but that 
there is a very real sense in which that next life is, is the setting in, the baking in of, of who we are because we go on to a next nature. Our nature will not be the same. We will still be free. We will still be acting according to our nature. But uh, it will be the next one. There is an, one more phase yet to go. So takeaways here be, you know, the most of the time you'll find lots of stuff online if you're teaching Sunday school or something sometime and you're looking for things, creation, fall, redemption, consummation. This is a big rallying cry across a lot of denominations uh, in the last 30 years. Um, you're not uh, going to find innocency, nature, grace, glory, uh, except if you're reading Thomas Boston uh, or the Confession um, who copied his stuff. But um, Final, anything about uh, questions, thoughts here about this free will discussion we've just had? Do you know what traditions from this articulation? Like the Romans Orthodox? So, I mean, at least I'm, I'm thinking of like Catholic apologists that I know, like James White and Sproul would sometimes talk about this, is that, you know, um, so all this Augustine stuff was his debate with Pelagius, yeah. and then the semi-Pelagian Celsus was 20 years later in Augustine's life. And the church anathematized them both uh, in the fourth century, that Pelagius and Celsus were said to be heretics, damnable heretics. But unfortunately, the uh, reformational perspective that this, honestly, uh, was also anathematized at Trent. So basically, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. But that, yeah, they've, they've anathematized everything at this point. So it really just sort of varies from bishop to bishop. In I mean, what we just said right here, I have heard pro-Catholic people articulate it almost this, especially the ones who've studied their patristics is that there's a, there's a YouTuber, um, his name is Trent something, and so he very cleverly calls his YouTube channel the Council of Trent, is that, um, and so, and he, he went through one of the, I watched one of the videos for this, and he went through and would not have disagreed with anything of what we just said. He would have only say then in phase three, what makes you, you know, doing good is that God has infused good into you and that he's not gonna call you righteous until you are. He would, he would have beef with the Luther simul justus et peccator at the same time a sinner and redeemed is that you have to be at some, you have to have some good in you that God has IV injected into you uh, before God is going to declare anything. Yeah. So. But yeah, I think there are Catholics that could affirm everything that we just said in this. It's confusing. Yeah. So in the phase of being regenerated, being redeemed, um, what, and before glory when sins no longer on the table, that the will can, um, uh, I mean, either being sanctified and being purified and more like Christ or not, and the idea like constriction of the will, uh, the more and more I do a, a bad habit, the more that it's kind of cemented into my The more you use them, the more likely you are to do it. Yeah. And so if I pick up a string of bad habits of um, 
that's going to, to deform me in significant ways that is it right to think of this in terms of will that like my will becomes constricted or like that freedom in Christ I feel like the, the, the default biblical category for what you're saying is wisdom is, is to say that, is this right living? Is this living that's going to result in my flourishing, my neighbor's flourishing? You know, hey, let's lie and wait for blood and rob people kind of like that's a dumb way to go through life. Um, it's going to result in you getting the chair, you know, and, you know, and, and, and that that kind of bad habits lead to your demise as opposed to your damnation, I think. It could be. It could be that then as, you know, we don't know the heart, but that some, you know, for me, I keep thinking that the other one that comes to mind is all the, the diagnosis of the kings, like I'm in kings right now in my Bible reading, and that the, you know, Manasseh, a really, really bad king, as you're reading through the book, he let, you know, undid the reforms, brought back the worship of the bad, you know, all the, the gods, Asherah poles and all that stuff. And yet, then you read Chronicles, and he has this huge repentance before he dies. So, like, I feel like the Bible is more likely to lean on, like, this is going to ruin it for you uh, and make your life horrible and the lives of everybody you love horrible if you, you know, get entrenched in these bad habits. It may be that it damns you, but that's probably not where the Bible is going to start with its why you shouldn't. I think I need to uh, stop there. Why don't we stand and then we can uh, pray and uh, I will let you go and we will get ready for worship. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for uh, your word. Thank you for the gift of your son that we can be uh, redeemed and set free and given uh, the ability again to do uh, what is right and pleasing to you. We pray that you would uh, give us hearts that seek to uh, act out of this great gift that you have given us, that we would seek to love you more and more by all that we do and say and think. Uh, We ask that you meet us now as we come to gather in your house for worship, that you would uh, give us the good gifts that you uh, want to give us uh, this day, that we would hear from your word and eat and drink with you. Uh, We pray for uh, this worship, that your Holy Spirit would fill us, empower us, to go forth and live according to your word in the coming week. We ask it in Jesus' name.